0: Alright, good morning. I want to be the 50th person to wish you a happy new year if you were not here last week. And as you're finding a seat, I want to remind all the men that this coming Saturday we have a men's breakfast right here at the church at 7.59. 7.59. Wives, if you'll uh, remind us and help us on that. We'll get together and hear about the goodness of God at our church and in the lives of the believer. Man, I am glad to see you here. Let me tell you, I've got family here. I've got new family here. I've got old family here. You're my family. This morning, if you're uh, our guest for the first time, I say welcome. We've got uh, several people that are here because of, uh, really, because we have a coffee shop uh, does anybody know what the coffee shop is? Axiom Coffee. And it's just about, roughly about 800 feet to our west. And uh, we appreciate you for, for coming today and, and uh, checking us out. Uh, we, we really appreciate uh, all the people that are at Axiom. And our uh, Axiom, a self-evident truth that needs no proof, and, and our Axiom at Axiom Coffee, is that we're blessed to be a blessing. And uh, again, I want to remind you that as a church, we can do so much more together than we can apart. And one of those things that we can do more of is be generous. And, you know, uh, just this last week, um, I was reminded by a a guy in the coffee business, and uh, he he talked about the the coffee uh, importers that are in Houston that we use. And uh, the coffee importer in Houston that God linked us up with, this is just, again, how God works. Until you make a step, you don't know all the resources that God can unleash in your favor until you commit. So when we committed, we were put in place to meet a coffee importer in Houston, Texas, because that's where the ocean is, you know, that's where the port is. And so anyway, that importer actually has a place of a coffee farm in Honduras. Now, that's important, but here's what's more important, is the mission that we support, World Gospel Outreach, that has a children's home on a mile you know, mile high into the mountains, uh, grows coffee that we sell at Axiom. Well, that ministry had nowhere... After COVID, really to sell their coffee. They had 20,000 pounds of coffee in storage, Green Bean. And uh, just again, reminding you of this story is that they couldn't sell it because they're a nonprofit ministering in Honduras, but they need money because they're a ministry, a nonprofit. So, where there seems to be no way, how many know that God makes a way? So when a pastor meets a guy in Houston that says, well, my ministry or my, uh, my family lives in Honduras and in Honduras is the mission that has the coffee that needs to be sold to support the ministry, the kingdom of God. Listen to this. The, the ability for us here in the United States to buy coffee in the United States in Houston then the Houston importer can go to his family that goes to the mountains in Honduras and takes and buys 20,000 pounds of coffee at a premium. If you've ever priced coffee these days, it's gone up. The coffee is brought back to the United States and the money is then given in the United States to the ministry because the ministry is stationed in the United States. Therefore, the Honduras people are transferred money from the ministry. Uh, let Let me say it in a different way. Because the Honduras people and the government doesn't want them to sell coffee in Honduras, we in the United States buy it And through the United States is given the money to the ministry to continue the the ministry in Honduras. That's because God is good. That's why that we did something that we had no idea how to do. You know what I mean? And, And even though we are a church, we have a coffee shop. Can I say it this way? Our business is people, not coffee. We have people that know coffee. But, but our business is people, and, and God's love for people, and how we can minister to people. And God has us on that track, and He's showing us constantly how He's working in the lives of the people that are obedient to His will. This morning, I'm glad you're here, and I want to remind you that as we start this new series... This is something that God is revealing to me, and I just want to kind of pass it on to you. The the title of this series is The Law of the Highway. The Law of the Highway. Now, this morning, the title of the message is Keep Your Eye on the Road. When I was 18 years of age and I had all the answers that mankind needed, I remember going to San Antonio with my friend. There was a conference that we were going to attend. My friend was quite a bit older, and, and uh, he, he drove the car. And it was my car, but he drove it. And, and so we got to the uh, hotel, and we got our clothes on real quick for the conference, and we got over to the convention center in San Antonio, and we went through the convention, and he kind of ambushed me because he had a girlfriend that was going to show up. I didn't know his girlfriend was going to show up. So afterwards, he kind of, <coughs> you, you want to <coughs> go out to eat with? <coughs> and I said, no, I don't want to go out to eat with you too. I'll go back to the hotel. I got in my car in the convention center parking lot, and I headed back to the embassy suite, and I knew that we'd come in on 35. I wasn't that old. I hadn't driven outside of the Metroplex that much. So I headed back, and I got on the loop in San Antonio. And if you've ever been to San Antonio, I'm not saying you can, it's the abyss, but I mean, at that time for me, I could see it from there. because I, I got on that loop and I thought, well, I know what an embassy suite is. It's right off the highway. But I was on the wrong highway. I finally stopped and asked directions and they said, there's about four embassy suites in San Antonio. Which one? Tell me where one is. Now, now, let me tell you this. Eventually, the good news is I found the right place. I'm still not driving around in San Antonio to this day. But because I kept my eye on, you know, the things that weren't important... I wasn't paying attention of actually where I was going to go later that night. I thought, eh, I can get there. Gentlemen, can I get an amen? All right then, ladies, can I get an amen about your husbands? Here's the law, and I want you to take notes. And again, when when we do sermons like this, I I want you to understand that you hear the voice behind the voice because there's a lot of times that when I preach and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and customizes it, you'll come back to me and say, you remember when you preached that sermon? No, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on that. But the Holy Spirit was speaking to you on a subject that's going on, and that's okay. And also remember that a short pencil is usually longer than a long memory. So if you write it down, you can revisit it later and it brings it to your remembrance. Some of you will say, you know, uh, Pastor, I, I remember when you said that sermon at the first of the year, don't be anxious. No, no, I didn't preach that. That was Sarah's sermon this morning. <laughs> or, or, you know, your God's Word never... No, that was... Justin's, work. so what I'm saying is it's okay to allow God to speak to you throughout this message. But stay in tuned as much as you can. I promise I won't be long. The, the, the law, the highway, I just want to get, give you the, the overall that we're going to be talking about this month. The road we choose is the road that will lead us to where we will end up. Isn't that deep? You know, common sense is a lot of times not common practice. Can I get an amen? But what's true geographically is also what's true in our relationships, financially, and actually physically, in all areas of our life. You can use this law in parenting, young people, in dating, in your finances, in your emotions. Let me say it again. The road we choose is the road that will lead us to where we will end up. The key word is lead us. How many people would rather go on a trip these days than those that went on the 60s? Now, now again, I'm not going to argue with you that, oh, I just would love to see the beauty of the surrounding areas I go through. To me, when I get from one point to the other, I want to get there, I want to enjoy the journey. And that, therefore, the highway system that is made these days, if we get on a highway, it will lead us to where we will end up. I want you to remember that. Allow God to speak to you this morning on that subject. I don't have to convince you that if the dietary road that you're on, you can see where right now that you've ended up. It's a law that's going to work in our life. And if if we could use just some of the we saw it coming scenarios in our life for other people. I don't know about you, but I'm a master at telling you. But here I am as a pastor and I preach the sermon several times to myself before I actually speak it to other people. But if we could change some of those in people's life, and we say, hey, hey, I can see where you're going to end up. You need to make some changes and and get on the right road. That's what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. And, And again, the law of the highway. Now, just because you know this law doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, keep you from crashing. Just because you know it doesn't mean you're going to master it. It's going to be a decision on your It's going to be something that you're going to have to put into your behavior system, and it is a system. It it, it explains why intelligent people with all these amazing goals and dreams never reach them. Why it seems like some people that start out and they have it all end up with nothing. The highway law. But again, it's a law, and if you know the law... It gives us all the ability to leverage against it. Really, what the what the word leverage is is just it's something that we can borrow or use of something's power. That's why it's so exciting at the first of the year when a lot of people are looking to say, you know, I, I just I, I don't like where I'm going, or I, I feel like I could do something else, or you know, and they get that kind of that itch and that 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 feeling of, you know, I, I feel like I'm on the wrong road. We can leverage this law against that feeling and begin to get on the right road and go to the right destination. What I'm talking about is the highway that is called the way. A lot of times in the Bible, especially in the new church in Acts, they, they called the way of God, the way of Jesus, the way that God wants us to go is the way. That's what we're going to be talking about, getting in the things of God and watching God lead us to the destination that will reap the best for us. There's several laws. One of them, again, is the law of harvest, and we can talk about that in weeks to come, maybe in February or March. A lot of times that states that what we reap, we sow, and, and I don't know if anybody will argue with that, but... You neglect your marriage, you know where that ends up, or you neglect your health. We all know that if you don't sow something good, you're not going to reap it. And and if, if you're not a believer of those areas, how many know that when you were in high school, if you didn't study, your grades weren't that great. This morning, let's talk about it a minute. Walls of the highway. Wouldn't it be great if there was a yellow brick road that led us to a great marriage? Huh? Come on now. That you would just just you just couldn't wait until five o'clock to get home to your husband or your wife. Now, a lot of times we start out with dreams and you know we have ambitions that this is going to be in my life. I don't care about. My mother, father, uncle, aunt, whatever, or friends' life, but usually it doesn't end that way. And, and and then we get into a spot. You know, the 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 fantasy, which shouldn't be a fantasy. It should be true. But a lot of you know, let, let's say as a wife, you're thinking, you know, I can't wait to my husband to get home. You know, you've got a flowing dress on, and you're sitting at a long table <laughs> with candles burning. You have a new dinner in the oven that's ready to come out right at 5.32 when he's going to come home. You've got bright lipstick on. Your hair is flowing and and for some reason there's not a fan, but it's still blowing. (laughs) And all of a sudden you hear the doorknob. And in steps your husband in a suit. No camo. No, no suit. It did not matter, but he's looking good. And you sit down at the table with the candles going. And ladies, he doesn't stop looking into your eyes the whole time. He doesn't try to solve the problem. He just listens the whole night until you tiptoe into the tulip for another evening now, now listen there's a part of you that are, have been married more than six weeks that you go that nah, just doesn't happen but the question is why doesn't it happen Because, see, we're going to be talking about the laws of the highway, getting on the right road, the things of God, and begin to sowing, creating habits in our life that will lead to being a better wife or husband or husband. There's things that if you would like to say, you know what, I'm going to create a, a new day in my, I'm going to get on the right road. There's habits that you create. Now, now sometimes a lot of people say, you know, I I really don't, (laughs) Pastor, I don't do all that. Well, you won't have the flowing robe or the flowing gown at the end of the day either. It's getting up early maybe and making him coffee. Maybe it's saving a little bit of the lunch money and buying her a flower on the way home. All those little things that put you into the direction and in motion Will lead you to the destination that all of us, the goals, the ambitions—it's the little things. Now let me say this: when somebody is on the wrong road and they're lost, and I've used this example before, and they'll call. Let's say somebody today just called, and I stepped out of church, and I said, "Over here, hello. Yeah, I want to come to church." But I'm lost. Well, what's the first thing you do? Well, where are you? Now, if they say, Pastor, I have no clue. Sorry, got to go, can't help you. Now, I wouldn't do that, but you know what I'm saying. It's hard for you to give directions to someone that first doesn't say, I'm lost, and here's where I'm at. But here's what I do know. That most people that are lost that have something upside, they they don't want to be lost. So to tell them, I got your solution, you're lost. There has to be a difference, and there is a difference, between a solution and giving them the directions to be on the pathway, the, the highway that leads them to the desired location. Let, let me say it this way. When somebody's lost in the phone call, let's go back to the phone call, and they say, I'm lost, and then they identify, here I am. I, it, it says, you know, out Altamere Road, and you say, well, you're in West Fort Worth. You, you, you can take, uh, let's say, Highway 820, and you can go north until you hit 35, go north a few exits and take Golden Triangle, and then you'll go east about one mile, and we're on the north side of the road. Now, some people go, what side's north? And you got to kind of explain it. We're all different. But it's direction, a change of direction and time will lead you to the destination. It's not overnight. People go to counseling, and a lot of times they'll go into the counselor and say, can you give me one, two, three so I can be different tomorrow? You did not get to where you are today overnight and you have to expect time to get to the right location or on the right track. There is no solution for being lost except getting on the right track to get you to the right destination. Now, quickly, I'm going to give you some Bible to explain this in a different way. In Judges chapter 13 through 15, You can go back and read the story, and I hope you do. It's great reading, Judges 13 through 15. And Luke will throw up some different passages. But I want you to hear the story of Samson. And a lot of times you do not hear the the name Samson without it firing in your brain. Whose other name? Delilah. But let me take you back to the start, because a lot of times where we start there's something there that will show us purpose. And let, let me say this. When God puts something in your heart and you begin to walk out your purpose, there, there's a state of happiness, expectation, anticipation. God, you have something great for me in my life. The Bible says that in Judges chapter 13, there's a lady and she's barren and, and God shows up on the scene and says, you're going to have a son. We've read different stories in the Bible just in the uh, previous weeks about ladies that have received a child that was barren. This is another one. But here's the thing is the angel says you're going to have a child and he's going to be a boy and I want you to realize he's going to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite was somebody that was set apart and this group of people that were Nazarites weren't supposed to taste or put anything into themselves like a, a, a fermented drink of alcohol. They weren't supposed to touch anything that was unclean. They were a super set apart person now now again don't read into that everybody has to be a nazirite and everybody wasn't a nazirite but in this story god says this boy is going to be a nazirite and it says this he will take the lead he will take the lead in delivering israel from the hands of the philistines In this time in history, the Israelites were going through a period where there was no king. They had to trust God. That God would anoint a man or a lady to be the leader to lead them through these tough times. The Philistines were the enemy that were oppressing them. So God appoints a baby named Samson to grow up to be a judge, a leader. And he's going to take the lead. I want you to remember that. That's his purpose. He's given Samson a purpose. Later in that chapter, it says, As he grows, he grows, and the Spirit of the Lord begins to stir this young man. I want you to see this. This is happening. He's he's on the right track, man. He's firing on all cylinders. We don't know. It's just conjecture on my part of what he looks like, but I'm I'm sure that the guy that's going to eventually uh, be able to kill thousands of men with a donkey's jawbone, he's probably pretty smoking hot. I mean, he's got the he's got the guns. He's got everything. You know, he, he's he's not supposed to cut his hair, so I'm I'm sure that he's got it flowing in the breeze like Fabio. You know. Different generations. All right, let's go on. Now, now I want you to see this. As he's going along, he's on the right highway, but there's all kinds of distractions in his life, just like your life and my life. And being on the right road doesn't mean you're going to stay on the right road if you're not conscious. Of what God is doing in your life and where he wants you. In the 14th chapter, this is the middle chapter that we talk about Samson. And it starts out in verse 1. And I really believe when I read this again and again and again, that God is saying, look at this. He continued to allow the distractions to catch his eye. He's on the right road, but there's things over to the side, right and left, that are going, hey, over here, over here. In this situation, in verse 1, it says, Samson went down to Timah and saw there a young Philistine woman. It starts. When he returned, he said to his father, I have seen a Philistine woman. Go get her for me for a wife. Now, if you read that, we're not going to go into a lot of reading of that, but if you read that, they go, why would you want somebody that's outside of godly people? That is the enemy. Those are not circumcised people, which means they're not under the same covenant and agreement with our God. And you're trying to marry somebody with that influence in your life. He says, mom, you don't know anything? Dad, you don't know? Go get her. Now now that leads to all kinds of destruction that we're not going to get into, but just believe me, it's not a good scene. It even leads to her death. If you go to the 8th verse, or no, 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 let's see this. Let's say, uh, let's go to, yeah, let's go down just to verse 8. This guy is so strong that a lion attacks him on the road. He kills it, and then later he comes back and he sees it, and it's got bees swarming inside of it and has honey, the honey inside of the dead carcass. Now, to you and I, we go, who cares? He ate some honey. But again, who he was and his purpose was a Nazarite. He wasn't supposed to touch that unclean thing that was in there. It says that he ate some of it and he didn't tell his parents. Now again, this isn't a sermon on telling your parents everything. If God's speaking to you, whoever, then that's on you. But, But my point is this, that what was not supposed to be a part of his life... All of a sudden, he gets his eyes and goes, okay, I can rationalize that's okay. Getting him again a little further off of the road. The next part of this I want you to see is in Judges chapter 16, verse 1. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza. Again, this is the Philistine area. And he sees a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. Again, he sees something that says, you know, hey, I can rationalize that that's okay, not realizing or maybe realizing. Some of us realize when we're doing it, but we're choosing to get off of the highway of the purpose that God has put us on. His highway that's going to lead us to where we're going to end up in a positive place. The Bible says that that turns out into a bad situation. He ends up carrying the gates of the city off. And the enemy is so hot on him that they're ready to kill him. Now, again, there's so much in the story of Samson, but I want to bring out the point in verse 4. Now, I said before we started, you can't hardly say Samson without saying another name, and that is Delilah. When you know the story of Delilah and how she deceives him into cutting his hair, which is the secret of his strength, you go, come on now. How in the world can a guy be that? Here it is. He's so far off of the road of his purpose that he don't care. And sometimes that brings an arrogance, and in, in there, there has to be somewhat of an arrogance and a, a build-up in a person's life, because they've rationalized it so much that they can do what they know is wrong, that it's almost to everybody around them is, I saw that coming. But to them, they never saw it. So it says in verse four. Sometime later, this is later after all these events, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now he's again in the area of the Philistines. What is he doing there? The rulers of the Philistines went in to her and said, "Now listen to what they say. See if you can lure him into showing showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him." And you know why? So we can overpower him, beat him senseless, gouge out his eyes, and make him a spectacle and call him a loser. Does anybody believe that Samson goes, sign me up for that? I want on that highway. I want to be on a road that leads me to senseless beating and a haircut that's going to gouge out my eyes. Nobody wants that. But the law of highway doesn't care if you believe it or not. Yeah. The rest of the story is Samson loses his strength because he finally, after several tries, she gets the truth, cut my hair. So it loses, he loses his strength. He loses his eyes. Now listen to this. And he finds, himself, he finds himself on the highway of loss of purpose. Now Now listen to this: when you have lost your purpose in life and you're going, "You know what? What, what, what am I doing?" you'll find out that there let, let's put it this way: you're not in the state of Texas anymore. You're in the state of unhappy. Do you remember the whole thing about addiction? Everybody goes to the state of happy. Everybody wants to be at the state of happy. I want to live in the state of happy. And whatever we have done in our life, if we're not careful... We'll try to repeat that. It it can be a drug addiction. It can be a sex addiction. It can be a shopping addiction. It can be an eating addiction. Where, oh, pastor, if you just get some of those ho-hos with some milk, I can eat a whole gallon of milk and a whole box of those at a sitting. Why? 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 Because it makes me... losing purpose is being in a state of unhappy in this state there's a lack of joy and we know that the joy of the lord is our strength the enemy has come in and taken that from us in this state there is a high likelihood of depression i just i, I just don't want to get out of bed anymore there, there's no purpose In this state, the enemy accuses you regularly, just like Goliath did to the children of Israel yelling up in the morning and the evening, you are a bunch of losers. Now let's go back to the principle and the law. The law of the highway is the road we choose is the road that will lead us to where we will end up. Now here's the first point that I want to just now reflect on real quickly on the story of Samson. Here it is. What gets our attention determines our direction and ultimately our destination. I'll say it again, then I'm going to add something. What gets our attention, you can say it this way, determines our focus. If you're at halftime and I come up and I go, hey, everybody goes, he must want something. And I've got your attention, so you begin to focus. It's the same thing if in racing, there's a finish line. In, in archery, there's a target. What we aim at, we usually try to hit. What gets our attention determines our direction and ultimately our destination. Let me add this. And most often, it begins to capture our affection. Jesus pointed it out this way in Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And in this story, Samson's eyes began to get so unhealthy, all he could see is it's okay, it's okay. He walked into darkness when he didn't even realize... He couldn't even see the end scenario that all of us will read and go, what was he thinking? Whatever we focus on, will head towards that. We're likely to hit that. Now, Now, listen to this. Let me give you a conclusion to this and we'll pick it up next week. On your own, you're done. But the good news is you're not alone. And the good news is there's a fight for your future. We've been talking about the favor of God in our life, and some people are going, you know, that's almost too good to be true. And my mama always said, if it's too good to be true, it's probably... Let me tell you, God is good to us, so let's let's look at it this way. There's a fight for our future, and our God knows what we're going through. and again, if we're able to hear what He's going th- or what we're going through, if we're able to hear God's voice and speak into our life while we're going through it, we can go, whoa whoa whoa, I need to change the direction and be patient and wait on the Lord as He brings me back to the place where I'm in the right place and going into the right destination. There's, there's a passage of Scripture in the Bible, and it, it, it is so powerful. And it's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But let's talk about the one in Luke. And it's called the demonic man. But the story starts when Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples, and apparently it was in the evening. So Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Now, he's got a group of, what do you call them, boatmen? They're fishermen. They know how to be in the boat. Why are we going at night? Well, we want to go to the other side of the lake. Now, Jesus makes this declaration. They get in the boat. In the middle of the night, the storm blows to the point where these experienced men come to the conclusion, we are not going to make it. The boat's going to break up. So they wake up Jesus. Where's he? He's asleep. And, and they say, aren't you scared? Aren't you concerned that we're, they didn't say that we all, but we're going to die. And Jesus says, come on, come on. You, you've heard me preaching already. You know what to do. We're on the right path. We're going to the other. He just says, peace be still, and the storm dies down. Now, again, on the context of a fight for our future, when they finally get to the destination that they're going on, the other side of the lake, they, Jesus and the disciples get out of the boat, and a demonic man, that means a guy with demons in him, and in these different Gospels, I mean, you've got stories of he's running in the tombs, uh, he's uh, guarded, but he's broken loose out of the guard, and he's got chains on him, he's cutting himself. I mean, this guy, he, he's, he's the mayor of the state of unhappy. I, I, again, this is John Miller. This isn't the Bible, so don't go, yeah, I like it. So, no. But John Miller wants, wants to believe that there were times when this man could have sat by himself and thought, what am I doing here? What is causing me this grief? I would like to just go home to be with my family. To Again, play with my children. But that demonic oppression that came over him was so great that it said that nobody would pass that way. See, he's, he's in a bad spot. He's in a, he's in a place where he doesn't think he has a future. These demonic forces have come and overtaken him. But, you are my champion. And Jesus gets out of the boat and, and, and talking about fighting for our future. And, and I say this every time because I just want everybody to always remember this, is here's this demonic man that is being oppressed and depressed and just unhappy. But Jesus sees something in this guy that nobody else apparently had saw. And he's, he's destined for greatness. And so, here's a guy that has come to the end of his rope and all this, and Jesus shows up, and the Bible says that the demons begin to get uneasy, and the way that they become uneasy is because they identify who Jesus is as the Son of God. Now, the men on the planet haven't identified him yet as the Son of God, but the demons inside this man has. I've always wondered, how in the world did they do that? Was that... They were the angels that originally were in heaven that worshiped Jesus. Now they've been cast out as part of the demonic that followed Satan. And that might get a little deep for you, but just believe me, that they had knew who Jesus was previous in history. And so when they're in this man and the spirits are testing everything that's going on, and here's this guy coming out, well, we'll just show him. Is it? Is that? Is that? Is that Son of God? Is that Jesus? And all of a sudden, the the demons that had not allowed anybody to come and rescue this man that was on the wrong highway. Jesus comes on the scene and says, Whoa, 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 whoa. And I love when they begin to... All this, you you can't, what are you doing, Jesus? What? You, and really, he just says, shut up. Don't, don't you, come on. If you're like me, when the enemy comes, he's got all these voices, and he's talking, and he, you're this, and you're that, and you did this. I mean, before there was digital, there was Polaroid cameras, and I think he owned about 50 of them because he always showed me pictures of what I shouldn't have thought of, what I did, whatever, I said that. And the enemy, here he is, and he's conquered this guy, he thinks, until Jesus says, no, no, there's a fight for his future because I know who he is. Jesus tells the demons to shut up, shut up, and go. Now, I want to fast forward to the end of the story because there's a lot of good stuff in the story. But at the end of the story, it says when the people that came, the people from the community that had tied him up and they had seen him running around naked and howling at the moon and demon-possessed and everybody, oh, you don't want to be like that guy. It says that when they showed up to look at him because the word got out in the community, watch this, they seem over there at Jesus' feet and he's dressed. But more than that, it says that he's in the right state of mind. They are amazed at what he has gone through and now he's rescued. It makes them fearful of the power of God. But here's the point that I want to make and leave with you today as a sign of favor on your life and hope on your life that you can put your faith in the hope. Is it says that the man that was and I emphasize, was demonically possessed. When he is free, he begs Jesus for the good thing. Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to go around with you and and follow you. But see, his purpose was something different. You say, well, that's a good purpose. And I, I agree with you. But what Jesus tells him is the great purpose for his life. And for you to read this with me, if you have it in Luke chapter 8, verse 38, or verse 39. Let me say, verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Listen to this, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. That was his purpose. He got him back on the right road in the right direction. Now, again, this is conjecture, but it's good. Have you ever looked at maybe your friend's profile and there's somebody that you know as a friend and, and, and you didn't know that that person knew that person that knew that person that knew that person? And, and we know that through life. There's, there's connections that we didn't even know how we met that person. This guy is recorded, if you look through the the early, you know, the Gospels, when Jesus is walking, this this guy is recorded as the first missionary. You can go back, please, prove me wrong. It'll take hours and you'll get some good Bible. Try, prove me wrong. First missionary. There might be somebody sitting here today because he told told somebody, that told somebody, that told somebody, that told somebody that eventually told you. The ripple effect of you staying on the right highway, the way that God has for us, the the word of God in our lives working, it's active, it's alive. Ripple effect through your children, children's children. It has rippled through my mother and dad, their parents, my great-grandparents. And today, God says, there's a fight for your future. If you allow me, I'm fighting for you. The favor of God is on you. Let's pray. Father, today, we know that you love us. We know that, God, there is nothing too hard for you. God, we know that the word of God is the, the way that we want to go. But God, just knowing it isn't going to to keep us off the right road. God, it is applying it to our lives. As James said, we don't want to just be hearers of the Word of God, but God, we want to be doers of the Word of God. We want it to be working in our life that the Holy Spirit can guide us and direct us and say, no, 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 not that area. That's, that's a lure. They're trying to lure you away. Or no, 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 that's a distraction. Don't, don't go over there. Because, God, the word is in our heart that we might not sin against you. Father, your way is the best way. Father, as we walk in your grace, God, I speak over the people that are here today, that, God, if they receive you into their life, that their sins are forgiven. And, God, today is a new day in their life. And, Father, today I believe that today, in the first part of this year, we can look back just like we we started a race, a, a starting line. That today, we're on the right track. God, it, it might take time. But God, we believe, Father, that we will begin again to see and to, to witness, God, the things that you're posting, putting into our life and placing in our life to direct us in the right path. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, it's the most important decision you can make. Listen, not just for today, not for your life, but for eternity. The Bible says if we confess our sins and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved. This morning, as you have a chance in the next few minutes, just few minutes to respond to this message, maybe God put something in your heart. Allow your mouth to sing this song and allow your ears to hear what you're singing. Would you just stand? Tell God how much you're thankful that He is fighting for you. As you leave this place, the, the encouragement that I want to give you is act upon the Word of God quickly. Yeah. Begin to, maybe, maybe this afternoon you can be by yourself and, and just take a pen and paper out and, and begin to say, you know what, I'm going to recognize where I am right now because I realize that by the power of God I can change direction and over time get back to where. There's so many good things that are going on at a church church like this, and I want to encourage you, support Axiom, and when you're there, be life. You have life inside of you. Smile. Talk to people. Remember that this week, our ministry will meet on Saturday. Come hungry, not just for bacon and eggs, but for the friends of God. The ushers have plates uh, so you can give on the way out. Now, if we have to get buckets, we can go ahead and get those. We can put a couple more guys back there. Speaking of faith is important. You know what? I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Remember, God is our champion. Go and